Impact Hustlers, the podcast on entrepreneurs and change makers that are creating solutions to the world's biggest problems. Impact Hustlers is brought to you by Fast Forward 2030 and Real Changers. Visit fastforward2030.com to learn how to include the global goals into your business model and realchangers.com to find talent and careers with impact. And this is your host, Michael Shafra. This is Impact Hustlers, the podcast on the entrepreneurs that solve the world's biggest social and environmental problems. And I'm your host, Michael Schaffrat. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe, leave a review and share the episode, most importantly, with a friend. To keep updated on new episodes, visit impacthustlers.com and sign up for our email alerts. And follow us on Twitter as well at Impact Hustlers. Enjoy today's episode and let's go. In today's episode, I speak to Nicholas Lufrani, the CEO of the Smiley Company. Nicholas' father, Franklin Lufrani, registered a trademark for the smiley face in the 1970s when it was used to mark positive news stories in newspapers, amongst others, the Francois in France. Nicholas then turned the company into a global brand, creating the world's first graphical emoticons in 1997. And the company now turns over more than $260 million a year. And they have launched something called the Smiley Movement, which we'll talk about. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you, Malcolm. Yeah, great to be here. Tell us a bit more about the Smiley Company, how your father started the company, and the journey from its initial roots as a pure licensing company into like a real brand company now, and your role in that. Tell us a bit more about that story. It's a long story. It started uh, in uh, 1971. My father used to be a journalist for... Uh, what was the biggest uh, French newspaper back then. Uh, now it doesn't exist anymore, so that shows uh, what uh, happens to newspapers. But uh, it was really a, a major newspaper, and he managed to convince the chief editor that if uh, French people were moody, it's because they were surrounded by negative news. And he told him, listen, if you want people to start seeing life in a more positive way, if you want French people to smile more, just give them more positive news. Show them that there are positive things happening in the world or fun things. And so he started displaying a little smiley logo next to all the fun news and the light news so that people would identify them and uh, start their day with positive things in their mind and interact more positively with, with the people around them. It was also done with one of the biggest radio networks, uh, RTL, who was a co-partner uh, with this promotion. And because it worked really well, it was a big success, then other newspapers in other European countries started to be part of uh, this uh, huge promotion to uh, bring uh, smiles onto people's uh, faces. Now, when he launched this idea, of course he was a small man and he was dealing with big, powerful newspapers and he wanted to protect his concept. So he registered the trademark of this little logo that he was um, then licensing to the newspaper, licensing to the radio. And then a lot of big and medium companies were interested in using this logo. They said, oh, it's fantastic. Uh, I want to have the le sourire de François, the smile from François. And so uh, supermarket chains, 
camera companies like ACFA, food companies like Mars, uh, fashion companies like Levi started to want to use this logo on their products. And uh, he started a, a merchandising business, licensing it on all sorts of things. So throughout the 70s and the 80s, he was licensing his logo to lots of companies. And the logo became incredibly famous just as a marketing and promotional logo and as a merchandising logo. It had no name. Um, he was just licensing the logo, put it on product, and it became incredibly famous throughout uh, these uh, these decades with uh, with products and marketing campaigns. Then uh, around the mid-90s, the business was uh, almost dead because of probably over-exploitation, no strategy. He, he just wanted to basically license uh, his logo to whoever wanted it and you know, no control. And... Uh, and this led to uh, to the demise of uh, the business. And so he asked me, Nicholas, why don't you try to uh, revive uh, this activity? I was in fashion. I was living in London. I had started um, a luxury tailoring business on Savile Row. And so I, um, I had you know, the sense of taste and uh, design. And so I was really into, into this. And I, I was not really convinced at the start for me. So it was something dead. It was over, and but because it was belonged to our family, it had been big at the time, and because of certain circumstances in my life, I ended up uh, trying to to work on this project, and so I joined. Uh, we create this uh, this new venture with my father uh, and I, this new company, to exploit the rights of the logo, and I decide a few things. First, we have to give it a name. We want to build a brand, we need a name. It cannot just be Le Sourire in France and uh, Sorizo or Carita Feliz or uh, Happy Face in the US, Peace Love Mark in Japan. Every country had a different name for it. And because we had used the name Smiley on a few occasions, uh, especially on, on one little doll that did very well at the end of the 80s and pe few people called it Smiley, it was one of the many names. I thought it was the coolest name because it made it a bit like Mickey, like a, a, a character. And that was really what I wanted to do. I, w I wanted to transform it into a, a character, give life to it. So I said, okay, let's call it Smiley and let's start registering the Smiley name in all the categories of goods and services that we can develop in our business. And then I started, it was a flat logo uh, with a black outline. And I said, now let's do it in a three-dimensional way. Mm. It becomes a sphere, be, so it has more life. And then I looked at it and I said, now, if we want to give it more life, let's change its expressions. So he's going to wing the eye, he's going to have the stick the tongue out and have lots of different expressions, like a character. And then let's accessorize this character. So we put different hats, for example, and he's going to symbolize different countries. So if it's a horse guard hat, he's going to be the UK mm. and with a French beret, he's going to be, to be France and, uh, and so on. And we lots of different smileys representing countries. And then we started developing smiley animals, smiley objects. It was like a maniac need to develop more and more smileys. And then I started sorting them by categories. And all of this was done initially just for the purpose of selling Merchandise. I was not thinking about anything else. I just wanted to sell T-shirts and plush and greeting cards. And I had to revive a, a merchandising business and a marketing business. But after having created all these designs, I realized that on the internet, people were using something called emoticons that were made of punctuation. And two or three of them were used the most, happy and happy or wink with different elements of punctuation. But there was an old, uh, a whole art form 
which is was ASCII ASCII art, where hundreds of emoticons were representing a lot of different things. But they were very hard to decipher. You had to read them sideways. And uh, if I show you the emoticon made of punctuation for Frankenstein, to, you have to get it. It was not very obvious. And I thought, why don't we replace all these emoticons made of punctuation by my smileys? Because my smileys, everybody's going to recognize them. If I show you a smiley Frankenstein or a smiley sticking the stung out, it's obvious. Whereas if I show you the, the emoticon for sticking the stung out with the letter P, yeah. you know, I have to tell you it was meant, or you have to be very creative to understand it. So that's how it started. Suddenly we used all these uh, smileys to replace emoticons. They were available online. You had the, We were offering software to download, to have a part of your keyboard, to insert them in your emails. Uh, then the first messenger uh, started coming and we uh, started offering uh, toolbars that you could download and have uh, on your browser and you could uh, could use these uh, these icons into your instant messenger into your email into lots of different uh, web services and it started picking as a new form of language on the internet because it, we're talking about 99 2000 2001 2002 so we, there was no smartphone back then at a point i said let's create a, a real proper dictionary and we put online the the official smiley dictionary and I wrote um, a slogan. I said, it's the birth of a universal language. And I wrote uh, a piece saying, uh, in future, people are going like, to use these uh, smileys to communicate. And everybody's going to use them. It's going to be a new form of language. And that was uh, 2001. And uh, in a the way, uh, it, well, of course, it was... Uh, I don't know if you can call it a self-fulfilling prophecy or if it's just wishful thinking that got lucky. But yeah, of course, it boomed in the in the early part of the 21st century. And then came the smartphone and Apple came up with the emoji, which was a copy of, of our smileys, but had the same idea of using yellow faces for emoticons and to create categories of icons, the same way I did categories of icons. They, so they started using having people, zodiac sign, weather signs, objects, uh, pets, etc. exactly as we had uh, done. Like w By 2004, I think we had more than 3,000 different smileys. Right? And when they started with the emoji uh, in 2007, they had less than 50. And then it started growing. And in 2010, Unicode, which is the consortium of all the big tech companies, started to include the emoji into their protocol so that you could now send from an Apple and, uh, to a Samsung or from a Samsung to someone on Facebook or whatever. So all the tech platforms developed their own emoji. So they all have their own art direction. As much as the princess is very different uh, on uh, every platform, on the emoticon, they all managed to copy uh, my <laughs> my smileys, and they all have yellow uh, yellow smileys. Interesting. Um, yeah. There's the emoticon with the with, or the smiley with the sunglasses on, for example. That's yes. I think one that you created initially, and that exists on all the platforms somehow. Exactly. A bit yes. Right? I, I, really, we had in our emoticon section, we had more than. Uh, 300 different emoticons, yellow emoticons representing different human expressions. Mm. And still uh, on, on the emoji, they, they probably have 50 or 60 uh, emoticons, uh, no more. So we went further, but it's the, it's the same idea. And I don't have any bad uh, feeling about this. When people ask me, I always say, I've started uh, somehow uh, an art movement to reinvent mm. the way people communicate in the digital world. And people who had better technology than me have been able to 
somehow fulfill the prophecy yes. and then yeah. make it uh, even better and, and make uh, huge audiences uh, use what I started. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really proud to have influenced uh, these uh, people with what Absolutely. I've uh, started. So it, it's no, there's no bad feeling. Uh, and they, they were able this. to change their artworks enough not to not infringe. Exactly. <laughs> that's, uh, yes. You know, it's a, bit, it's, it's a bit stupid because they could have asked me, we've never charged anything to, to use mm. our smileys uh, online in the digital world. So I would not even have a happy to let them uh, use ours, but they prefer to, to develop their own versions, yes. I think from the outside perspective, uh, if somebody hears about you running a licensing company or especially the way your father ran the company, it sounds maybe like quite a boring thing, actually. It's more mainly about, you know, doing legal contracts of all kinds of companies that want to use your icon. Give us a bit more substance for that, and especially how you developed since then, right? So from really purely licensing into more of a brand company now. Yes, as you have probably seen uh, when you, you entered here, we're, we're a big, uh, big loft and it's a design studio here, so it's very vibrant. We have uh, product designers, graphic artists, marketers, product managers, product developers, so most of our team is in uh, the creation aspect of things and then we have, of course we have a small legal team and contract team but that's a small part of the of the business our business is to really create new products in all the industries that we are involved in so we work with some of the largest retail chains in the world uh, the likes of Zaha or Benetton with massive brands like uh, food you know, it could be Nestle in food or mm. LS in uh, sport clothing or Eastpac uh, for the backpack so we work with brands retailers and also in industries like uh, publishing we do books for, for children we do greeting cards we develop toys we develop uh, food products we, we constantly reinvent the vision for what you can develop with our uh, smiley brand as a business uh, our business model is a it's a small disney or a very small disney or it's a, or it's like hello kitty you know, so we have the the same business model so we have of course to make the brand constantly relevant because we're selling to different audiences boys to girls to men to ladies uh, to parents of babies so and in all these industries and in Every single market segment, every single product category in every single country, we're competing against lots of other licensed brands, against lots of brands and designers, and we have to remain relevant. We have to remain cool. So the only way you can uh, achieve this is by creating very nice and cool products all the time and that have, having a relevant uh, marketing message to make people want to mm -hmm. uh, engage with uh, with what you're doing. Amazing. That's pretty much we talked about the core of what you've been doing for a long time now. Let's move on a bit to something relatively new. And you just called it a startup within your company, uh, the Smiley Movement. Mm -hmm. And the Smiley Movement really aims to you know, connect and match people to the causes that they care about in terms of social and environmental impact and uh, tries to support the Sustainable Development Goals by the United Nations. Tell us a bit more about that. Why did you decide to start that? And how does it work? How can people join in there? So the whole process started um, a while ago when uh, I created a, a dotation fund called the Smiley Fund, which is managed by the, the largest uh, social enterprise in Europe called the SOS Group in France, a very large uh, social enterprise, one billion in uh, in a budget uh, per year, 15,000 employees. And we started the Smiley Fund 
to receive some money that I was giving as uh, the Smiley Company based on, on all the products we, we sold and to develop some uh, social action. So we were supporting some of their projects. And as I was doing this, I realized um, that I didn't really understand where the money was going, what was the impact, would I have even any impact at all? Was I doing the best I could be doing? Because of, uh, I'm not a billionaire, so you know, I, it's not, I'm not the Bill Gates uh, Foundation, and <laughs> so with limited funds, was I doing anything impactful? And was there a scale between what I was able to give to do good and the huge impact and strength of what my brand Smiley represented to the public? And I thought it was not really, I wasn't really satisfied with with uh, what I was doing. And I thought we need to go to the next step. We need to see how Smiley, which is incredibly well-known by everyone, which is a symbol of positive thinking, a symbol of positivity, how can we use this power to do good? And so SOS um, had started a, a movement in, uh, in France, and we started supporting this uh, movement called Up Movement. And initially wanted to to develop the up movement in the UK. And then after a while, we decided that it would make more sense to make this become the Smiley movement. Because Smiley, is, as a brand, can have a, a huge impact and, and can engage much more with the public because it's already also very famous. And also because I wanted to be in control of our development and, and our strategy. So that's really how... It started, and then after we've been working on the, on this project for almost three years now, with my team, uh, and we've created a new web platform as well as an app, and we're doing several different things. So there there are several aspects to it. The first one is so, so as a mission, we want to be here to support the sector of charities and social enterprises. I realized that there are people doing incredible things in the sector, like things that are classic, but they do it incredibly well. And, it is, and it's beautiful how you see these volunteers engaged and helping people and then really believing in their causes. And then some people who disrupt things, who come up with great ideas to make things better and to help people, to help the environment, to try to to reach these uh, United Nations uh, goals for a sustainable world. And how can we help this sector better? How can we help the sector engage with the public much more? So we've conducted market studies, uh, some, some surveys, to understand how, how does the public feel about the third sector? And how do the people who work in this sector feel about the, the public? What do they need? And so, of course, people from the sector, they need more money and they need more volunteers. And they feel that sometimes it's hard to find them. They feel that the public doesn't re necessarily engage enough uh, with them, doesn't really necessarily understand what they're doing. And we also realize that, same on the side of the public, a lot of people say, we want to help. In our latest survey, we realized that 40% of the people interviewed, which is supposed to be a sample of the British population, 40% of them had volunteered in the past year. In one way or the other, it can be volunteering with skills or it can be volunteering with time. And so it's incredible how the public wants to help as these charities, this social enterprise wants to do more. But we realized that they don't necessarily need, know how to do this, uh, where to start. Uh, they don't necessarily have information about even about what's going on around them. I mean, we're here in, uh, in London, in Bermondsey. If I want to do something, what are the charities I, I can help? It's um, to find them, right? So 
people can go to your website, go to the app, and basically say what kind of causes they care about, and then exactly. So about. that's going to be, that's the aim to have members of the public and members who are in the in the sector to become member, and it's free, of course, to register on the app to show what are the skills that they have to that they can provide, what is it that they are looking for, and we are developing an app that's going to be a matchmaking app, matchmaking for good to match the needs with the wants. And so this is one aspect uh, of it, the technological aspect of the, the network and the application. But what we need, of course, what we want to do is a bit more. And it's going back to my father's original idea. He started with happy news. And for a while I was thinking, what can be in the world we live in today? What are the happy news? And what are the good news? And I thought, well, good news are about the people doing good. Let's talk about the people who do good because they can make us want to do good ourselves because they work for charities, they work for social enterprises, they volunteer for them, they do great things. And if we read about their stories, we're going to know that there is good in the world. We're going to feel more positive about the world. We cannot just read bad news about the trade wars and this and that and the wars and the real wars and the unemployment and financial crises and whatever. We, it's, uh, it's true, these are terrible things, but... We need to see the, the lights as well. We need to know that there are positive things happening, lots of positive things happening around us everywhere, and that we can be part of this. As, uh, as Gandhi was saying, you know, you have to be the change you wish to see for the world. Well, you can be the change you wish to see for the world. There are lots of opportunities to bring about change and to, uh, instead of complaining or be depressed, take action. You don't have to be wealthy. Last week, we had a, a smiley talk about social isolation, people who feel lonely, and they're old, and they're, and even also young people who feel lonely. And uh, and we've done these, uh, these smiley talks with the Samaritans and with the Silver Line. And one of the questions I asked to, uh, to the people representing these orgs was, if you want to volunteer, what's the minimum? Four hours a week. You can volunteer from four hours a week. Do you need special skills? Well, you need a certain skill set, but they're going to train you. They're going to teach you how to become a Samaritan with a program of three hours per week over nine weeks. You will become a Samaritan if you have the right skills, if they have uh, casted you as having the right skills. And then, and then you will be able to contribute to helping uh, people who are isolated, people who are depressed, people who feel really, really bad. And there are lots of causes like this in the UK and in the world where you can contribute to them with a little bit of time also a little bit of money as well or a lot of money if, if you're wealthy or if you have a, a company that is willing to become partner to, to these people so really the, the Smiley movement is about supporting the sector with our Smiley talks uh, with the contents uh, the video contents we're, we're developing with the matchmaking app with the Smiley news about the people doing good and also with the Smiley Awards, because we're also starting uh, Smiley Awards uh, that are going to reward the most creative and impactful charities and social enterprises. And we're going to, to donate uh, prizes of £100,000 to uh, several uh, of them as voted by the public. So it's a, it's a whole project and i think people can already there, there's definitely a bunch of entrepreneurs listening to this and social enterprises and they can already i think sign up and sign up for expressing interest in the awards and stuff like that and should look out for those yes and also we really want to also connect with the companies who are looking to help certain projects and i'm starting of course with my partners so i have right now one of my big fashion partners who's interested to 
work with the Smiley Movement in order to uh, to support uh, a cause, and that's something also we're we're going to to try to develop with my existing partners uh, at Smiley, but as well as more companies. We want to uh, help them navigate in the world of charities and social enterprises and uh, help them also find the, the solutions to uh, first uh, improve their processes, uh, their corporate social responsibility, but also help them find causes that they can uh, support and promote. Is the business model in itself in the Smiley movement or is this something that you fund through the business model of the Smiley company or what's your goal there in terms of making it like a sustainable thing that can run for many years? Yes, so it's supported by uh, by Smiley. It's supported mm -hmm. by my, my father and myself. So that's what makes it sustainable at this stage. Um, and we can we develop it in the UK. We're probably going to launch in a few more countries and be able to sustain it as well in uh, in a few more countries but if it's going to grow massively of course we we won't have the, the resources to uh, to make it grow massively so we'll see maybe a year or two years uh, from now if it's really growing we probably will look for some uh, partners to to help us as well but for now it is uh, perfectly sustainable it's a massive effort for us uh, as I said, I'm, we're not Bill Gates, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's something I, I really believe in. And, uh, and I don't just believe in it. I mean, I'm just not in it because it's good for our brand. But I really believe in it really uh, wholeheartedly. I, I spend time on it. Actually, I'm the first volunteer yeah. uh, because I, I don't, uh, I'm the only one not, uh, not getting paid in, in the team for, for that. And uh, it's, uh, I really volunteer my time to try to think about how we can improve the sector and how we can help the public engage with the sector. And I, I'm really genuinely interested in, uh, in what I'm, uh, I'm doing here. If I was interested, I could be sponsoring uh, parties in clubs i could be sponsoring uh sports to uh to attend uh, very nice vip events i'm not interested in in this uh, for our brand i'm uh, i'm really investing all our resources into this project because i i think it's uh it's really something that corresponds to to what i want to do as, as a person on this podcast, I mainly speak to founders that are usually much earlier on in their journey than you with the Smiley Company, at least. Um, maybe similar to what way you're at with the Smiley Movement in terms of stage. But I think one way that we will bring about change is if more and more business leaders of established businesses like the Smiley Company and your partner companies are actually realizing, okay, I can actually do some things to have a positive impact, social or environmental impact. What would your recommendation be to somebody that runs maybe a company that's been existing for 20, 30 years or 50 years or a big corporate um, to actually support social or environmental causes? What's your take on that? I think there are lots of opportunities to, to do that. I think one of the most interesting um, ones I have uh, found uh, recently is uh, something called the Epic Movement. The Epic Movement has been founded by Alexandre Mars. They have a, a portfolio of charities and social enterprises in, in lots of different parts of the world. They deal with very wealthy people or wealthy people who are entrepreneurs who want to uh, give money to charities but again they don't know how they're not sure that these charities are efficient and epic movement selects 
only, I think, six or seven new organizations every year out of thousands of organizations who are submitting their applications. So they really go for the most efficient charities, the most efficient social enterprises to ensure that every euro is going to be invested for the maximum impact so that they can tell their uh, people who are, want to become philanthropists, we have really for you a portfolio of various causes. You can choose something that you feel good about, a cause that you feel good about because of where it is located, the country where it is, and it's your country, it's you, you feel it's the people you want to, to help, or because it's uh, another country and you feel it's people that you want to help there, or because it's, uh, it's a certain type of cause that resonates with you. And also the whole management of the Epic Movement is totally financed by Alexandre Mars. So there is so when you donate money to them to support causes in their portfolio, nothing goes into management fees, nothing goes into administration. Everything is invested on impact. And I think it's one of the most uh, interesting um, movements that uh, I have uh, met with. And I have actually pledged to give 1% of my shares in, in the Smiley business to the Epic uh, movement. And I encourage lots of other entrepreneurs who who want to to do good to look at this option because it's a it's a very interesting one. Um, my last question is, as we're running out of time, is if you think think about the next ten years in especially for the Smiley Movement, how does the world look like if you succeed with the Smiley Movement? Uh, what's the ideal case? <laughs> I always say as a as a joke, uh, if we succeed, uh, then we we just close. We just stop. <laughs> you know, in an ideal world, you you would think we're going to try to change the world, make everything great, and then we won't be needed anymore. And that's sometimes what what I feel as as someone from the public. And I look at certain causes, and for decades they have still been there, and they're still asking money every year. And it means the problem hasn't been sorted. That's very unfortunate because you would want some of the world problems to be sorted of because there are problems that will never be sorted. There will probably always be people who have certain diseases, but you would think maybe some of, of these diseases can be totally healed and they're not. Will there always be homeless people? You would want to live in a world where there are no, no more homeless people. You would want to live in a, in a world where a lot of the world's problems will definitely solved. So I'd say for me, mission accomplished would be when the mission is accomplished, when you have sorted a lot of the world's problems. Is this going to happen in my lifetime? I hope, but uh, I don't think so. Thanks for your contribution to this. And it was really inspiring to hear. I'm really passionate about getting more people involved in social and environmental impact. And it's great to have you do this. So uh, thanks very much. Um, for everybody wanting to find out more, I think there's smileymovement.org. And then for your main company, that would be smiley.com, right? To learn more. Perfect. That's a simple one. And you can, of course, follow us on, uh, on Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter, uh, the Smiley Movement. And we have Smiley News regularly on, on Twitter and uh, on Instagram. And the Smiley brand is also there. Yes. Thanks very much. Uh, thanks for joining me today and all the best. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share the episode with a friend. To keep updated on new episodes, visit impacthustlers.com and sign up for our email alerts. And also follow us on Twitter at impacthustlers. Thanks very much for tuning in and see you next week. 
This was Impact Hustlers, the podcast on entrepreneurs and change makers that are creating solutions to the world's biggest problems. Impact Hustlers is brought to you by Fast Forward 2030 and Real Changers. Visit fastforward2030.com to learn how to include the global goals into your business model and realchangers.com to find talent and careers with impact.